You know, something I learned very early in ministry before I thought I would be preaching a lot because I never wanted to preach. In case you didn't know that about me, I never wanted to do that. It was never something I thought I would do. I started as a necessity. I was in India, and the guy that took me to India got really sick, dysentery, and his stomach was messed up, went to the hospital, he was dehydrated. He was in his 60s at the time, and uh, he called me into his bed one day, and he said, you got to preach tonight. We were in India preaching to several thousand, and I said, no, I don't, I'm not a preacher. I'll sing or, you know, video or whatever. And he said, no, you got to preach because if you don't preach, they don't hear. And we've wasted our time and we've wasted their time. And this might be the only opportunity they get to hear the real gospel. How would you like it if somebody took you overseas and you knew there were 10,000 people waiting to hear you speak and you didn't go to speak? <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't pretty. But God was graceful anyways. Um, but one of the things I learned early on was if you'll let... Um, if you'll let the Holy Spirit be the conductor of the service, then it'll, it'll, be, it'll sound much more beautiful when he conducts the order and the flow of the service than if you try to force something that may not be exactly what he wants to do in the moment. I could have gotten up here, and I, believe me, I know how to preach until you're, as my dad used to say, swinging from the chandeliers. We don't have those here. We have gym lights. <laughs> and and I, I'd love to see somebody jump up there and grab one, although please don't do that. That would probably be an insurance liability, and we don't want that either. Um, but I could preach until, you know, you're up and you're feeling the heebie-jeebies and you're shouting yes and amen, you leave. But if you don't leave change, then what good was it? And sometimes, sometimes Father doesn't want there to be a shouting and swinging from the chandelier service. Sometimes Father wants a mother to walk up and say, someone has been praying for their kid. Did you even see? She stood there for five minutes, her eyes closed, and you were literally saying prophetically what I know there was a couple up here, one of the things they were up here for. I was like, God, that's pretty powerful stuff. She, but she never opened her eyes to look at him. She was too lost in the spirit. That's what she does. And that's how he does things. And we get to uh, call up in our traditions. And tradition, do you know the only thing in the, New, in the New Testament that's as powerful as the word of God is tradition? The traditions of men. The Bible literally says that because of the traditions of men, the word had no effect. It doesn't mean that Jesus was less powerful. It means once he released, he was the Logos. He was the logic. Of, he is the logic of God. He was everything God wanted to say. But even though he released, he said, the words that I speak are spirit and life. Even though he released them, some people are trapped. And maybe that was the offense word that you had. Some people are so trapped in tradition that if it doesn't come in a traditional way, they cannot receive it or they don't receive it. And they miss out on the very thing that God brought you here to receive in the first place. Maybe you didn't need to hear a good message today. Maybe you needed to hear a, a woman of God, a mother in Israel say, you know what? You're praying about your baby. And God said, he's going to take care of the problem that you have with your baby. Or maybe, do you hear what I'm saying? And so we, as we learned that, that, that I've already said, I've, I've said multiple times that, that the, the, the fruit of the miraculous and the, and the fruit, it grows on the tree of surrender. The tree of surrender. Sometimes, and I've got, look, I do, I do not come here ill-prepared ever. Ever. I made a commitment years ago that I wouldn't do it. In fact, every Sunday if I get up to speak, you can guarantee, in fact, many of you are on, on my email list just because you've asked for it. I don't, I don't solicit, and I certainly don't look for other people, but I send my notes that's a minimum of eight pages every single time I get up to speak. I outline what I believe God has told me, and then I use that outline so that I can be a better steward of the word that he gave me and try to give that to you. So I'm not ill-prepared. I've got eight or nine or ten or twelve pages, and the eight of you that are on my email list, you can read it or however many of you there are later. 
But right now, the father's wanting to touch Nancy's knee, and he wanted to touch Gail's knee, and he wanted to touch um, Laura and Henry Hall with theirs, and he wanted to touch Brad. He wanted Brad to know that it's just as important to him that he hears that God is going to give you piece by piece, that's what she said, uh, wholeness by wholeness, glory by glory, what you've asked for. It's not going to come all at once, but it'll come like puzzle pieces. But when it all comes together, you'll see it for what it is. You needed that just as bad as if I had got up here and preached a fire message. And this doesn't happen in a lot of places, and that's okay. It's not for a lot of places. You can't, you, you can't, get, you can't do these type of things in the big box churches because you'd confuse the crap out of people. Jesus would do it. Jesus didn't have a problem doing that. He is completely comfortable with your discomfort because he is, after all, the comforter. He has no problem with you being uncomfortable. In fact, I would suggest if, if from time to time, if you don't get uncomfortable in church, you might want to check yourself or check where you are. You know, when you wake up in the morning, it's time to get up. It's time to wake up. It's time to move. It's not always comfortable. Where's Isaac? Isaac, come up here. Come down here real quick. I don't know why they, they sneak up there and they think I don't know. We're going to run down here real quick. You have to brush that hair out of your eyes so you can see and don't trip down the stairs. Isaac is the hardest kid I have to wake up in the mornings. It's not easy to wake Isaac up. He just enjoys sleep. In fact, this morning, I don't know how you did it. I walk into his room and he's asleep with headphones this size on his head. How do you sleep with headphones? And when I come in to wake up Isaac, I'm like, Isaac. This morning, I literally did Isaac, Isaac. I had to make him uncomfortable so that he would wake up and do the thing that was necessary for him to do in the moment. If I had let him lie there in his comfort, we would have come and done what we were supposed to do. He would still be at home sleeping. And a whole lot of people are comfortable, but you're not seeing the move of God in your life. Maybe it's because you're too comfortable. And maybe tradition needs to be shaken off of you. So you can get uncomfortable enough to wake up and say, oh, there's something that I need to do. Now, I'm not trying to pick on Isaac. I just wanted to use that as an example. I mean, I kind of want to pick on you. Now you can get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. But I had to grab his legs. I literally said, Isaac. I shook him at first. I was real soft because I like to be soft. I don't want to scare my kids first thing in the morning. My dad had that. Joshua, you know, if he's, you wake up and, you, you, you know, you feel like a judge just judged you or <laughs> something. He didn't have that. He did it when he got older. He'd be like, Josh. But when he said, Holly, Holly, you know, if he said it like that, yeah, scare you to death. Right? So I go, Isaac. Isaac, time to get up, son. Isaac, it's time to get up, go to church. Isaac, something was covering his ears. He couldn't hear my voice. Good God Almighty. This will preach itself. Isaac, would you? And finally, I had to grab him and shake him. I feel like some Sundays I need to grab some of you and shake and say, wake up. There's something that needs to happen. You are too comfortable to do what you need to do. And if you don't wake up, you're going to miss the thing that God, because I knew you come into this place, you will come into the presence of God. You will come into the glory of God, not because he resides in a place. You are the temple. But when many people that carry the spirit come together with one singular focus, my God, and one singular purpose, you can bet your bottom dollar when the glory of God shows up. And listen to me, here's the thing, the byproduct of the glory, not the purpose, but the byproduct of the glory is anything from the realm of sickness or sin or the curse cannot exist. Did you understand that the, that the miraculous is a byproduct of the glory of God and is only necessary in a broken realm? 
If you're not hurting, broken, afflicted, anything, you don't need a miracle. You walk in divine life and divine health and divine prosperity. In fact, you can do it here and now, but we'll talk about that later. And so when the glory of God comes, the byproduct of the glory of God is, imagine, I, I think of it this way all the time, and I think sometimes he opens my eyes to see, and I see the glory of God come, and he's, he wears a golden, white, bluish, bluish sometimes robe, and he comes, and he just releases an imminent, an imminent glory. It, it emanates from him, and as it emanates, all things from the realm of darkness run and hide at the very, good God Almighty, they run and hide as a byproduct of the presence of God. And so although it was uncomfortable for Isaac this morning, I knew if I can shake him enough to wake him enough, when he gets into the presence of God, things will change. Some of you need to be shaken a little bit. Some of you are too comfortable and you're not seeing the move of God because you're asleep and you need a father to say, hey, wake up. Wait, get those headphones off. Wake up. Not exactly the most hermeneutical message you're probably ever going to hear. I know how to do that too. It doesn't matter. What matters is you better wake up. It's, do you look, look around, not in the church, look around when you go into society. Or God forbid to turn the TV on. If you think it's not high time for you to wake up, you are missing the boat. And not because I want you to be afraid, but my God, when there's an abundance of darkness, there should be in your community an abundance of light by, by, because of your presence. When Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, he that believeth and baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not doesn't get condemned. He's already condemned. But anyways, we'll leave that alone. He didn't necessarily just mean go into the nations. Of course, he was commissioning his disciples. But all of us don't go to other countries. But your world might be the place where you work or the place where you go to school, or in your home, go into that place and be the light that you've been called to be. And you're not going to be a light if you're too busy asleep and too busy comfortable. I think God allows services like this sometimes where it's a little uncomfortable so he can wake you up and cause your spirit to become engaged. Engaged. I, mm, I, ain't, I ain't even getting on the platform. Not right now. Uh-oh, you're in trouble. I left my watch at home. Just kidding. I got it right there. Steve flashes and Isaiah's flashing at me sometimes. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> I thought about, you know, it's, so our air conditioning went out last night, or night before last. So it was 613.7 degrees in our house upstairs last night. It happens. It's okay. I'm not mad about it, but it, it, was, it was hard to sleep, so I didn't sleep the night before. So then last night, I tried to sleep, couldn't sleep, so I dragged Jason's mattress off of his bunk bed, threw it in my living room floor. I'm like, I'm going to try to sleep down here. That also didn't work, so I slept about two or three hours. Uh, I was very completely and utterly uncomfortable. And so was Abigail. Bless her heart. She crawled into Jason's bed. He wasn't there. Crawled into Jason's bed because it's on the main floor where the air did work. And, and she crawled in there to try to get some sleep, not realizing the mattress was gone. So she slept worse than I did. <laughs> But during the night as I'm laying there, or I should say as I'm lying there, I, I, I just knew, I didn't know specifically. Some God, sometimes the Father will speak a very specific thing to me and say, this is what you will say. But I knew that this, was, that this would not go as planned this morning. I didn't know why. I didn't really know how. I really, want to talk, I really wanted to talk to you about Jesus, the Logos of God, and his poem. 
There's one, there's one very beautiful translation of scriptures in Romans and also over in Ephesians that talks about, and, and starting, of course, the, the Logos of God is in, in John 1, but how you're his poem. I thought I would talk about that. So I went ahead and, 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 and finished my outline this morning for that, but I knew it wasn't going there, and I didn't know why. I think, that I, know, I think that I know now. I think that it's more important for people that come in broken to leave whole. And sometimes it happens with a message, and sometimes it happens when you're being shaken. I think when she called a few minutes ago and said, anybody, up here, anybody else up here that needs X, Y, and Z, and the three people, that four people that came up, I think that was good. But I really believe with all of my heart there were a lot more people that could have come up that didn't come. And thank God he's the God of a second chance. I'm going to give it to you here in a minute. Because the glory of God is here. The glory of God is a, is a residing glory. It's an abiding glory. And when you, when you understand that, when, you, when you're saying that and you're willing to step outside of your... When she said a minute ago she talked about a fence, I literally, in a, immediately I thought about, imagine if, the, if, on the, if I had a four-by-four four fence up there and, and, put it, and stuck it up there. You know what a fence does? It would be the same as if you crawled inside it. It traps you. That might be why we're hanging out here. It traps you inside. If you understood... Uh, if you understood the Aramaic and the Greek understanding of the word, uh, of, of the word offense, it, it's, it's, uh, imagine a stick holding this up. And when you take the offense, it falls down. It's a picture. It's a picture understanding. Go study the word offense. And you trap yourself inside when you take the bait of offense. It, this, is, this is literally what this means. I preached it before. I preached it at the old building when my father was still living. You see, you see underneath it is the, is the little, I got you, I got to get that person back. And it, that's the bait. And if you take the bait, you trap yourself in a fence. And let me tell you something. There is nothing with the exception of tradition, which in my, my, my opinion is offense, but I won't, I, won't, uh, I won't make you understand that right now. That will keep you from the things of God. Nothing that will keep you from the things of God and keep you from living a fulfilling life and keep you from being all that God has called you to be that will keep you there in, in a better way or stronger way than offense. Just climb in there and stay in there. And the whole time you think you got some, you can't receive anything because you're offended by everything. You know what happens when you're offended? Then you assume the worst about every person in every situation. Somebody, can, let me ask you this. Be honest with me. Let's just say that one of you in here maybe has ever been, you know, in, in a little bit of a scuffle, maybe online with someone else or whatever, and, and you see them post something. Tell me if it's not true that every time you watch them post, you immediately think, oh, they're talking about me. Have you done it? I've done it. I've done it. Well, they must be talking about me. I've learned that more times than not, they weren't even thinking about you, let alone, let alone talking about you. But because you carry around the cloak of offense, you automatically assume that everything that is said negative was said about you. And you take on an, an offense reproduces offense. And before you know it, you can't receive anything from God because you're so closed down and you're so, so closed off. And that's why the most powerful tool to break the spirit of offense that God gave us is forgiveness. And that's why Jesus said, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, 
This is not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17. You should read it sometime. It's when he bowed his will to the will of the Father. That's, that's the Lord's Prayer. When he said, Father, make them one as we are one. But the, but the pattern prayer, it was this. Our Father who art in heaven, you know it with me. It's said in locker rooms. It said so much that it has lost its potency on a generation. We don't really understand what's being said because we don't understand what's being said. We just repeat something that we've understood that rhymes and that's rhythmic, so we repeat it. I used to say it before my basketball games and soccer games and, and base all the stuff in school. I've, I've said, and, I, and I get that, and I think it's good. But this is, this is the pattern. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know this part. Well, well, and I normally focus on that. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debtors or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Forgive us our debts as we, for, the qualifier to be forgiven of your debts is that you forgive someone that is indebted to you. And the reason that we don't walk in the fullness of God has for us is because we don't experience forgiveness. And the reason we don't experience forgiveness is because we fail to forgive. We hold on to the offenses that people give us until we literally will terminate relationships over it. Now listen, if you're in a toxic relationship with somebody and it needs to be severed, that's one thing. I'm not talking about that. But if you're carrying the spirit of offense because of a toxic relationship, guess what? You need to forgive. I knew I wasn't going to get shouted down in this few minutes. Thank you. It's the truth. I, what, what I care about is I care about seeing you free. I couldn't care less if you think I preached well or didn't preach well. Believe me, I know how to make you feel like I did a good job preaching. I know how to do that. And, and sometime I might do that. What I care about is I want you free. I don't want you coming week in and week out and week in and week out. And like, man, he sure did. If the only thing you say about the service is, God, they sang good. And God, Josh can preach. We have failed. It's not my job to say, man, we got the best music uh, all around. And I know pretty much all the ones around, they're friends with me. And I can tell you, we do have the best music around. And I don't want you to say, man, Josh sure did preach. I know how to preach. What I want you to say is, you won't believe what happened today. I was changed. I went in one way, but I came out another way. I went in sick, but I came out home. I went in offended, but I decided the best thing was just to go ahead and forgive. And you won't believe it. When I forgave, the abundant blessing began to pour upon me. And the reason it was able to, God was pouring it the whole time. But you're so close in your offense, it never got to you. Every single time you step in these doors, as long as I'm here, and it's not because of me, but this is a non-negotiable deal that I have with God, you have the opportunity to change and to be changed and to be set free and to be whole. We will not just do pretend church here. Every time that I'm in this building, you will have an opportunity. And God pours out his spirit and he pours out his glory. And without fail, there is a release of the prophetic, which is to say, I see something that's real about you and you can walk in there if you'll take the steps to do it. The first step is to say, I refuse to be offended. Not just because I don't want to be offended, but I don't want to miss out on what father has for me because I've closed myself off in this room called offense and the blessing never gets to me. What's crazy is then people get offended at God. Well, I prayed and it didn't happen. Well, you closed yourself so far off from offense. Nothing ever got to you. It's still there. 
It's still there. God's still going to bless you. God still has poured out the blessing. She said it this morning prophetically. She said, God has already done everything that you've been begging him to do. And she is absolutely right. Because God is not contained within time. Time exists within God. Time, listen, don't miss this. Time is nothing more than a landing spot for the eternal things to manifest in your now. That's all it is. It's really just an idea. Because the only time you really have is right now. As they used to say, yesterday is history and tomorrow is a mystery. Or yesterday is in the tomb of time and tomorrow is in the womb of time. The only thing that you ever have certainty of is right now. And if you are walking into your now carrying offense, then everything that God wants to give you, which by the way, you want to hear, you want to hear some good stuff? Here's, a, here's your chance to say yes and amen. Okay, God, it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That is your King James. King Jimmy wrote that one. He had his guys write that one. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants you to be blessed. Forget what they say. I just need to suffer a little bit more for you. Jesus doesn't need you to suffer for him. <laughs> if I could say one more thing, I'd like, to, I'd like to just submit this idea to you to think about. You suffer or you are, you are punished more. How do I do this? Sure? You sure? Because if I say it, you might not like me as much as you liked it before. Tina, I love that she sits right there. You are punished more by your sin than you are for your sin. I'm going to say it again. You live in punishment more by the sin than for the sin. In other words, the punishment doesn't come upon you as a result of it. And you understand that my understanding of, of sin is probably different than yours. I don't think that smoking is a sin and cussing is a sin and drinking is a sin. I think those can be symptoms of a sin. But here's what the sin is. The sin is not knowing who you really are. Because if you look up the definition of sin, in its purest form, it means mistaken identity or missing the mark. Sin doesn't mean doing the bad stuff. You do the bad stuff as a result of not knowing who you really are. Oh, man. Because if you, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. You're punished more by your sin than you are for your sin. Because you don't know who you are, and so you walk in this perpetual state of offense. And this perpetual state of, well, she's mad at me, and he's mad at me. And then we lie to ourselves, and God must be mad at me. I mean, I heard the preacher say it. Well, they should have fired the guy. He's not mad. Fire the clown. Get him off the podium. Find somebody that will tell you the gospel truth, that God is not mad at you. Well, I heard it preached that way for years. Well, that's okay. You've been lied to about a lot of stuff for years. I mean, I know how to be delicate in saying this. Jesus wasn't always delicate. The truth is not always delicate. As I said to start out, you're not always comfortable in truth, but it will awaken you and it will bring you freedom. And it's not my job to make you comfortable. It's my job to make sure you have the opportunity to be free. So the, the mistaken identity, that's the sin. And the symptom of the sin is that some of the, some of the things that we do, but we're not human doings, we're human beings. He's just kind of hanging in this whole offense thing. Somebody's really trapped in there, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to kick it down with both feet and punch, punch the door down. When Jesus said to the, remember he told uh, Peter that day, he said, um, Peter, Peter heard about Jesus something that he heard directly from the Father. 
And it was, it was a preamble to something that was going to happen to the whole church. He would hear directly from the Father something about Jesus that at that time the Spirit had been given. So this was really a miraculous thing that happened. Peter heard from the Father something about Jesus that didn't come from the mouth of Jesus in that moment. And that's why Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he said this, Upon this rock I will build my church. What was he going to build it on? Not on Peter. Peter was not the rock. Peter's name doesn't even mean rock. It means little pebble. But anyways, uh, it literally means little pebble. You might want to study your Bible. It doesn't mean the rock. The rock that the church is built on is the ability to hear to hear the voice of God and what it says about the Son of God. And could I go further? About the sons and daughters of God. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now stop there. Most of the time, at least for me growing up, when I heard this phrase, the gates of hell shall not prevail, I thought about the gates of hell attacking as if it was on a fence. You know, the gates of hell will not prevail. That must be, but that, what's the, what's the phrase? The gates, what does the gate do? Tell me. It lets something in or keeps something out. Are you with me? The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Well, that seems to tell me that Jesus was saying, hell's not the one attacking. It's the sons and daughters of God that are going to attack the gates of hell. The gates of hell won't prevail. They will not be able to withstand the onslaught of the church going into that place of defeat and that place of death and pulling people out of that fire. It's my job to pull you out of the fire. And the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Not that hell's attacking. Hell trembles at your voice if you have within you the Holy Spirit. Because even death itself was no match. Ooh. Acts 2. It was not even possible that Jesus could be held by death. And if you go on further, if that same spirit which raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwelleth in you, he will quicken your mortal body. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. But you don't get it if you've trapped yourself in the tomb of offense. You can today, you can leave the tomb of offense and be birthed anew from the womb of forgiveness. And that's how it happens. Well, well, that just, no, 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 forgive. Kelly Varner, the most potent thing, this guy wrote books and books and books, and they've been around the world, and, and half of them you need a theology degree to even understand what the man's talking about. I do not recommend reading his books until you're spiritually mature, because it ain't going to make no sense, and you're going to do like a friend of mine's doing right now. You're going to sputter a bunch of stuff he says, not really understand the heart behind it, and confuse yourself to death. But one of the most potent things the man said was, do you want to live free and enjoy all your life? I'm going to ask you the question. I want you to respond to me. Would you like to live in freedom and enjoy every day of your life? I only heard about half of you. Would you like to walk and live in freedom, enjoy every day of your life? Here's how you do it. Forgive everybody of everything all the time. Well, I can do that. Can you? What? I don't know anything about Fifi. You can share it. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry. Forgive everybody of everything all the time. Well, you won't believe what he did to me. I don't want to believe it. I don't want to hear about it. And Facebook is full of it. Could you please stop sharing it? Well, I don't share on Facebook. Oh, yes, you do. But you do it undercover. You won't call them out directly. You'll be like... 
you know what I'm talking about. You, don't, you ain't going to call them out directly. You put these little like, sort of undercover sort of undertones of I'm offended, I'm going to get her, but I ain't going to call her by name so I can get by with it. But she knows who I'm talking about. You're laughing because you know it's true. I know it's true. You get on Facebook and you're like, man, why don't you just call the person's name? Everybody knows what you're talking about. My God, that's all you've talked about for a year. Oh, man. I need... Joey, come up here. Help me out, dude. Just kind of stand in front of me. They start throwing stuff. You take the punches. You want to live in freedom? Forgive everybody for everything all the time. Well, did you know what he did? Nope. Don't tell me. Did you know what she did? No, don't tell me. Look, I, I've, been, I've been hurt. You probably don't believe that. But you get to be my age, you probably deal with some hurt. I've been hurt by church people, non-church people. I've been hurt by counselors, non-counselors. I've been hurt by teachers, non -teachers. I've been hurt by all of them, just like you have. So we all deal with our own measure of hurt and our pain. You're telling me I got to forgive them too? Yes. Yep, that's what I'm telling you. They don't necessarily have to come eat at your table, but they still do have a seat at his table. So it might behoove you to go ahead and forgive them. Oh. I can't believe you said that. You mean God didn't choose me over them? No, he didn't. That's exactly what I mean. God's not taking your side. In fact, even in the Old Testament, do you remember when Joshua, I like Joshua, he got a cool name. In the Old Testament, <laughs> when an angel appears to him one day, like just out of nowhere, he appears to him, and Joshua's like, he draws the sword like, man, who are you? Did you come to fight for us, or did you come fight for them? Whose side are you on? And the angel literally said, I'm not here to fight for you or fight for them. I am an angel that represents the presence of God, and uh, I've come to take over. Basically, you're the one that gets to choose size, Joshua. Well, if you knew what he did, if you knew what she did, if you knew what they did, if you knew how bad they hurt me, well, here's the deal. As long as you're going to drag around that hurt the rest of your life, you can forget about walking the blessing of God. You can forget about walking in the favor of God because you're too busy worrying about the hurt. You're too busy still looking about what was behind you. But I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. But you heard me say before, you can't, you can't hold on to the past with one hand and hold on to the future with the other or unless you crucify yourself to helplessness and hopelessness and nothing. Were you here for that message? I had a rope tied there and a rope tied here and I grabbed both of them. And you're holding on to what they did to you and holding on to the promises of God and you don't ever seem to get anywhere. You got to let it go. Cut it off. Forgive. 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 Isn't it amazing? Jesus said this, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. How highly revelatory you are. Oh, wait a minute. That's not it. By this shall all men know that you are my disciplined ones. I like the word disciples, but I like to say it the way it really is. Disciplined ones, because it takes discipline to do what Jesus is going to say. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, because your church has the best praise and worship. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. The love that you have one for another. And you can't love someone that you won't forgive. In fact, the deepest, the deepest form or the deepest action of love is to forgive. What is Jesus saying on the cross? Literally dying. The man is suffocating. 
His tongue is swollen. It's cutting off his airwaves. You know, they, normally what they would do is, you know, they suffocate. They don't, they don't bleed to death. Normally they suffocate because they, they just suffer and suffer, suffer for hours. And finally, when the, when the Romans were, had, had enough and they don't have to deal with anymore, they just take a club and they'd break their shins so that they couldn't push up anymore to get a breath. They'd have to push up every time they want to get a breath. And so Jesus is literally just to the point of death. His tongue is swelling. He's, 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 he's probably almost hyperventilating. He's been bleeding to death. His back has got, you know, he's, now he's on a cross. He's been flogged to death with a cat of nine tails. I mean, it's just, this guy's been there. And here's what he says. Father! They spit on him. They pulled his beard out. He had already said, he had already, already looked at Pilate and said, and said, you have no power all over me except it were given you from above. Remember that? He looked at him and said, truth, what is truth? I've come to bear witness to the truth. He, he says, did you not know that I could call 12 legions of angels and they would be right here, signed right? You, you know what a couple, you know what one angel would do, let alone legion of angels? What Jesus said, did you not know? Instead, he doesn't take that. He never takes offense, not one time. And he says this, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. What were they doing? They were crucifying the Lord of glory. Peter tells you in Acts chapter 2. Today, it would behoove you to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know what they're doing? By holding on to offense, keeping themselves from the blessings of God. You mean I have, I actually have to do something to get the blessing of God operate in my life? Yeah, you probably do. You need to get over yourself. Stop posting your trash on Facebook. Get in a closet by yourself and say, Father, first of all, forgive me for being so arrogant as to think I was the one human that got to hold on to offense because of how deep my hurt is. So, so forgive me, Father, for, for thinking that I was the one. If you weren't going to hold on to offense and what, all the stuff they did to you and you were sinless, and none of us in here have lived a sinless life, you lived a sinless life and you forgave, shouldn't we forgive? This is common sense stuff. This isn't revelatory, but this will change your life. When you leave, you're going to be like, man, the praise and worship was good, then Barbara got up, that was good, then Josh got up, and God, he really made me uncomfortable. But I'm going to have to think about some stuff. Maybe I should forgive those people. Maybe I should forgive. Even the ones that the mention of their name makes my, as you say, my blood curl, curdle. God, I hope that don't happen. That'd be bad for your health. Forgive. Forgive everybody of everything all the time. I want to see you free. I want to see you walk in the fullness, the fullness of love that God has for you. The one thing we learned in my family was how to love people. That's one thing my dad did really well. Probably better than anybody else I know. Dad and mom, they love people well. And I don't really know why. Most of the people that I watch them love, I don't like. It's the truth. Can I be honest? In case you were wondering, yes, I'm a man. Yes, I have feelings. Yes, I make mistakes. Yes, I make failures. And yes, I deal with stuff just like you. I do not glow in the dark. Man, I used to have preachers come to our church. I, I, you would think they glowed in the dark. We went home talking like, man, man, that was the best revelation I ever heard. What are you talking about? I don't know, but it felt good in the moment. And then you have somebody to get down and talk to you plain like this. But the guy that I travel with, the last few years he came to our church, he literally would get down and say, I don't want to preach to you today. I don't preach to sons. Fathers talk to sons. I'm not calling you my children. You're not my children. You're my brothers and sisters. You're his children. But what I do want to do is I want to watch you. Did you know... 
This is truth. I just learned this this past week. Did you know that stress and unforgiveness literally will manifest itself sometimes as sickness and ailments in your body? Not kidding. I, am, I was like, well, I mean, I've always believed that. Now, even, even mainstream scientists are saying, yes, if you hold a fence and you don't forgive people for things they do, it can show up and manifest itself as sickness and ailments in your body. God, it almost, well, I probably shouldn't say that because it probably ain't true, but it'll make you wonder if the, well, anyways, I better leave that alone. Yeah. You're telling me if I forgive, my body might get healed? I don't know. What I'm telling you is if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the, Jesus from the dead dwells in you and he's at work in you and you're forgiving and you're working together, he will quicken your mortal body. Quicken is the, is the old English version of the word make alive your mortal body. I think that forgiveness, and Nancy, I don't think you're holding on forgiveness. She's healing. I don't think that's not what I'm saying. Maybe you are. I don't know. But I'm saying if you forgive everybody for everything all the time, I think that it has the possibility to heal every cell in your body. That's what I believe. If you're walking in forgiveness, if you walk in forgiveness and you walk in humility, nothing from the realm of sin, sickness, death, or the curse can touch you. That's, that, is, that is literally the point of the new covenant. And we're not even just in new covenant anymore. There's old covenant, there's new covenant. And that was just, you have to talk to covenantal people. And then, we don't have to worry about covenant anymore. We're family. We're sons and daughters. Covenant, no covenant, new covenant, old covenant, whatever covenant, seven covenant. Doesn't matter. I don't care about the covenant. What I care about is we're family. Family is more powerful than that. We're fat. You are sons and daughters of God himself. And if you're sons and daughters of God, don't you think that he would want to give you everything having to do with life and godliness? Do you think he would bless you with all the goods and services of the kingdom? Don't you think that maybe he has already poured it out and the problem has not been him? The problem has been our offense and unforgiveness and we've not been able to get it to us? Anyways. I ain't going to stay here any longer. I'm going to give you the opportunity. William, you want to play the keyboard one more time? Give you some more practice. <laughs> I don't want you to come up to get healed, and, 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 and I hope you do. But I, I'm going op- to open this front space up. What I want to do is I want to open it up to those of you, like myself, that have carried a fence that are ready to be truly be free. Now, don't, don't make the mistake of coming up here if you don't really want to be free. When he starts playing music, it makes it a real nice time for you to be able to sneak out if this ain't your thing. That's fine. I don't have a problem with it. I hope you see you next Sunday. I, I, know, how, I know how things work. But there's somebody, if there's just one here, that has, that has, been, that has carried the spirit of offense for so many years that you can't even have real friendships anymore because you're always wondering, what are they trying to get over on me? It's time to forgive. It's time to move on. It's time to let go of the spirit of offense. When I say the spirit of offense, probably for many of you, somebody or some situation pops in your brain. And that is probably the very thing that is keeping you from walking in the fullness of what God has for you in this time. So whatever popped in your brain when I say forgiveness or unforgiveness or the spirit of offense or they offended you, whoever's face shows up or whoever's name pops in or whatever situation or circumstance, what I'm going to invite you to do, but I'm not going to do any more than invite you. If you don't, that's fine. I'm going to invite you to bring it up here and lay it down at this altar. And when you leave, let it stay here and you walk away free. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, let's all stand. We'll make it easy. And that way the people that sneak out the back, nobody has to see them. Two. Anybody else? I was even going to count. Man, they, they, 
Double blessings on both of you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Double blessing on you too. That thing that has offended you or that thing, that unforgiveness that you've carried for years and years or possibly days or months or whatever, but years and years and years, what if, let me just paint this picture, what if you laid it down here today and you walked out and you never felt it again and it, and it was like a 10,000 pound weight was lifted off your shoulder and you got to live the rest of your life in, in life and health and peace. It doesn't mean that the thing that happened to you was right. It's not justification. I need to say this. I gotta, I'm not, you need to hear me say this. I'm, what they did is not justified. It's not just, I'm not saying that. So don't, mis, don't mistake what I'm telling you. It doesn't make what they did okay. What they did, I know to some of you, because I just saw it in the spirit, was, was utterly despicable. And that's okay. But the fact that you can forgive that too tells me you're, how, how determined you are to be free from it. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, this is the way you decided to conduct this service. For everyone that has stepped up specifically and especially for uh, Bill, Billy and Stephanie that came up first, I believe a double portion blessing for them for stepping up. I, for everyone that came up here this morning, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, that you give them the courage, the strength right now to lay down the offense. I just want you to put it down. If you got to do it, feel like doing it physically, do it physically. To lay down that thing and don't ever pick it up again. The offense, the thing that offended me, the thing that hurt me, the thing that, that is, 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 is like, a, it's like a weed and it chokes out every good fruit that I try to have in my life. There's good fruit and there's weeds, but the weed is the offense and it's killing the fruit. In the name of Jesus, I curse the weed of offense this morning. I curse it. I burn it with the fire of the Holy Spirit right now. Somebody say right now. Right now. We lay it down in the name of Jesus. We lay down that offense right now in the name of Jesus. I will no longer walk. Say it with me. I'll no longer walk in unforgiveness. I will not, but somebody open your mouth and say it. I will not walk in unforgiveness. I am free. Say it with me. Declare it. I am free. I am free. Say it until you believe it. If you're too afraid to say it, you might not be. I am free. And the Bible says, he that the Son sets free is free indeed, or free every whit, or free completely of it. If you came up here with offense and you laid it at the cross, you laid it at the altar, you laid it at the feet of Jesus, friend, you are free in this moment. It's not something that's going to happen. You're free. Don't ever pick it up and walk with it again. Be free. Begin to expect blessing. Begin to expect it. Every time you open your eyes, every time you turn around, begin to expect blessing. Why? Because God's going to bless you. Because, no, God has already blessed you. It just never got to you because you were offended. So now you're going to look around like, oh my God, this worked out, and this worked out, and that worked out, and God did this, and God did that. And you'll be, you'll be, it, I talk about kingdom sightings and God sightings, and every time you turn around, there'll be something new that you notice, oh, God did this for me. You know what? Because you're not looking for things negative or bad to happen. You walk in forgiveness instead of, instead of unforgiveness and offense, and boom, 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 blessing, 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 fruit, fruit, fruit. The, the fruit and the seed of the fruit was growing in you the whole time. The problem with it was the offense was bigger, and it choked out the good fruit. And now, all of that is burned away. 
all over this burden. Father, in the name of Jesus, with my words, I pluck up the root of offense. I pluck up the root of offense, and I throw it into the fire that it came from. In the name of Jesus, now let the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of life and the fruit of peace and the, my God Almighty, I feel it. Let it let it manifest in abundance in their life. Let me tell you a story, and I'm gonna let you go. So, my wife. Elizabeth, for whatever reason, had the thought several years ago, I want to plant a little tiny, they call them cherry tomatoes, what do they call those things? What? She didn't plant it. I don't know, how did it get out there? We threw a, threw a tomato plant out beside a pool. Now, in case you didn't know, the best place to plant, to plant plants is not on your pool fence, unless you plan on spending $6 billion on chlorine. That little tomato plant, that little tomato seed went into the earth, and oh my God, our whole fence was nothing but these little, and they were delicious. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but they were annoying to me because it made my pool chemistry unbalanced. This is not a lie. We have, at that time, we had a big 20 by 40 pool at our old house. I think a bird maybe ate one of the tomatoes, and decided to let go of what it ate on the other side of the fence because as God is my witness within just a month or so on the other side of the fence completely not connected the stupid tomatoes started growing over there so I pull it up pull the tomato up pull it up and then there it was again and there it was again there it was again here's what I saw in the spirit specifically for you for you for you too but for everybody up here here's what's going to happen the blessing that is coming to your life as a result of laying down a fence is you're going to look around like my god there's a tomato blessing like the, there's a blessing and there's a blessing there's, I can't get rid of these blessings I can't get rid of it. You're going you're gonna to find blessings, tomatoes, in places where you didn't know that you planted them and probably you didn't plant them as a result of laying down this offense. How would it be to wake up in the morning with a big smile on your face knowing God loves me, things are right, I walk in forgiveness, and I'm not offended anymore? Whew. Talk about a, a load lifted off. Well, there you go. That's what you have to look forward to Monday morning. Load lifted off. What's your name? What is it? Mariah? Hmm. Do you know what Mariah means? You don't? I can give you one definition, mountain of sacrifice. Mount Mariah was the, uh, was the mountain that Abraham took Isaac up on to sacrifice him. Did you know that? Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. Finally, he found a ram tied over in a bush. His horns were stuck in the bush, and so he didn't sacrifice his son. God gave him something else. So you've had to sacrifice a whole lot. This is probably weird for you, but can I just talk for a minute? You've had to sacrifice a whole lot. I saw some things in the Spirit about you a few minutes ago. Uh, you've been incredibly deeply wounded and hurt, but here's what's going to happen. God said, I'm going to restore everything because I'm sending a ram in the thicket. A ram in a bush for Mariah. I thank you for Mariah. I don't think that I've ever met her before. If I have, forgive me, Lord. But in the name of Jesus, the, the deep hurt that's been inside of her, give her the strength, Lord, to lay the offense down. Not because it justifies what was done to her, but because it will make her free. And I declare freedom for this young girl in Jesus' name. Begin to look for blessing. Begin to look for blessing. Begin to look for blessing. And be like those tomatoes. You ain't going to get rid of them. You're going to have to find. I had a man that looked at me one day. This was just about a year or two before Elizabeth and I finally got married. And he said, uh, he, he said, if you're faithful to him, he gave me some qualifications, but said, you'll be so blessed. You're going to have to find places to distribute the blessing because you can't contain all of it. 
I want to give that to every one of you right now. You're going to be so blessed in your life. You're going to be so blessed. I'm not just talking about money. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's other things. I'm talking about, look, there's a whole lot of people I know got a lot of money, and they're not blessed, and they're not living in joy. You know, money doesn't buy joy. If you have joy, then money's a good thing to have too. But the first thing you might want to get is, is, is that. But you're going to be so blessed. Your cup's going to run over with peace and with life, possibly with money, with ideas, with, 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 a, with a whole lot of stuff that you've been believing God for, okay? Hey, I bless your whole family. Hey, yours too. <laughs> you are a family. I bless your whole family. I honor your mother. I bless your whole family. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Sarah. Right now, Lord, I just, you, you directed my attention to her two or three different times. I have no idea. We've not talked in a while, I, I guess, since I bought uh, my mother a massage from her thing. But Father, in the name of Jesus, you know what she's up here for. I pray, Lord, for supernatural strength for her, for her husband, for her entire family right now in the name of Jesus. And also an abundant blessing on her mother who's always been faithful to your kingdom. I pray for that right now in Jesus' name. All right, well. You know, when you, when you start moving in these things, and this is not because I'm a preacher, it's because of God, you start you can see stuff just, just floating over top of people. I could call out a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not necessarily sure that's the way we should go this morning, but just know this. Just if there's something that you're believing God for, just reach up and grab it. You can do it with your, yeah, there you go. Just reach up and grab it. Say, okay. He didn't call out my thing, but that's okay. Josh is not the key here. Jesus is the key. And by his spirit, he's the one that distributes that. Look at her. Do it again. Do it again. Look, she's grabbing, <laughs> she's grabbing those tomatoes. <laughs> So this week, I want you to look to be blessed. I want you to be so blessed that you're going to give it to someone else. I want you to be so free that you're going to give freedom to someone else. I'm going to be such at peace that you're going to impart peace to other people. Amen? All right. God bless you. God love you.